Hi, this is Helena Bajaj Larson, and you're listening to MASH Podcast. I am a textile designer based between Paris, Dubai, and India. I am of half Indian, half Norwegian origin, as my last name may suggest, Bajaj Larson. So my mother is the, the Indian side, Sujata Bajaj. So she is a well-known uh, abstract painter in India and from Rajasthan originally, from Jaipur. And my father is an academic from Oslo. And they actually met in Paris uh, many, many years ago now when my mother was on a French government scholarship at École des Beaux-Arts. And then they ended up uh, settling down here, which is why I was born and raised here, barring five years of my childhood that were spent in Norway when I was very, very young. I did most of my schooling in Paris until the age of 18 and then attended Parsons School of Design in New York City for my bachelor's in fashion, which I graduated from in May 2017, so now a little over three years ago. And uh, I guess if we start to think of how I got into textiles, art, and fashion and such, it really does begin with um, the influence of my mother, of course, and growing up in a creative family um, even my father being an academic, I feel like I didn't, I didn't really have the, a very uh, conventional model of what careers and professions should be. Even growing up, I was kind of in an environment where I was taught that uh, anything is possible and any passion can actually be pursued and turned into a career. And so actually often now people ask me like, what was uh, what allowed you to take the step into entrepreneurship and start a company right out of college? And for me, it was never really something that strange to go out on your own because I, I saw my parents were both, uh, they're both freelance in a sense. So they never really had to answer to anyone or had any, any, any boss to check in with. And so my whole life, I just, I saw, I saw, I had these two examples of people who, who very freely had pursued their passions and had very, uh, individual and independent careers. Um, so I think it would begin with actually just watching my mom being an artist as a full-time profession and not a hobby and often people ask me you know when I say my mom's a painter they're like oh well what does your dad do and I'm like no no it's not a hobby <laughs> and so I think that's one of the main things is like you grow up thinking that wow okay so this can be a viable it's a it's an actual profession and so um yeah, to go back to that, I basically grew up thinking art, design and all of this was uh, just as viable as, you know, medicine and commerce and and so on and so forth. And so from a very young age, I used to obviously accompany my mom to all her gallery openings. And she used to really heavily stress uh, arts and crafts when it came to my extracurriculars. So she would make sure that I was enrolled in a lot of these things. And I guess she must have known that, you know, maybe there is an artistic gene in me through her. And so let's find out if it's there by enrolling her in all these things to see if it, if it sparks anything. And it did. Um, and not only did I realize I was very interested in always making things, but from an early age, attending all these events with my mom and I'm an only child also. So I was just kind of, there's no, you know, not me and my siblings in a corner. It was always me with my parents and a bunch of adults in a room, often a lot of creative adults. And I think so from very early on, I, I developed this this fascination for creative people and I don't know, I used to meet these characters, you know, through my mom, like, you know, movie makers and photographers and stylists and fashion designers and artists. And 
and I always thought, wow, there, there's something about these people. There's something different, you know? And uh, so I think even that fascination just for creative types and artistic characters and personalities made me slowly feel like I really wanted to myself, once I was older, be a part of this, this fascinating world. And so slowly, you know, I was like, okay, I guess I'm interested in art. Uh, as a kid, I, I did all kinds of things related to art. And then as a teenager, I began to see that, okay, well, I love what my mom does, but I don't really think I want to be a fine artist, so to speak. What are other ways to have a profession that incorporates art without it being a painter in a traditional sense? And that's when I realized, okay, there's this whole thing called the design industry and design combines art and function. And I liked that idea that it combined those both those two concepts. And so I started looking more into design and then I saw, wow, okay, there's so many different types of design as well. There's architecture, there's furniture design, there's product design, there's uh, accessories design, fashion design, I mean, lighting design, costume design. There's, there's so many things, but it seemed like a structured industry. And I felt like it was more um, something I could tackle uh, more than just, you know, sort of the, the big blur of, of trying to be a fine artist. Um, so I, I liked the idea of it. And so I began doing internships and through those internships, I realized, okay, I'm quite interested in fashion specifically. Um, one of my first work experiences was actually uh, a one-week internship, a tiny internship at Nina Ricci in Paris when I was 14. It was part of the ninth grade curriculum in France. You have to do one week in a, in a company. And another thing I loved is I walked into this office and it was just that, I, you know, there were people literally from maybe 15 countries in that design office and nobody was even speaking French. And every single person there had such a unique sense of style and such a unique personality. And I would go for lunch with them. And I don't know, I used to observe like, wow, because I, I was in a very sort of cookie cutter, very French elitist high school, which is an excellent school, of course, but very more, I would say more in the closed minded, everyone kind of dressed the same and spoke the same. And and still we were considered one of the more international schools in, in the Parisian school network. But that being said, still very Frenchy French. And so walking into the design office and seeing that, okay, well, in this industry as well, the more different you are, it's actually valued. No one is trying to blend in. And that's something that I felt was also very unique. As, as a 14-year-old, also at that age, I think everyone's trying to be the same. And I remember I was always the kid in high school who had like the, the biggest jewelry or the most colorful jacket or, you know, and I don't even wear that much color, but to, to, to give you a standard, it was, it was so uniform. And then I walk into this internship and I saw how different everyone was there and how celebrated it was. And I think that's also something that gave me, um, yeah, that just attracted me to this field was like, okay, wow. So in design and in art, the more different you are, the more unique you are, the better it is. So I did that internship. I did a bunch of other ones. I did a couple of work experiences at Rohit Gandhi Rahul Khanna in India. And that was amazing because I discovered more about craftsmanship and embroidery in a way that you wouldn't in Europe, for example, because of resources. Then I ended up applying to Parsons. Before that, I did some summer schools as well. I did a summer school at St. Martin's to prepare my portfolio. 
lots of different things, extracurricular classes in art um, at the Louvre, different things like that. And then I went to Parsons. Um, I special I did fashion design as my bachelor, but I specialized in materiality because I progressively realized that the aspect of fashion that interested me the most was always the textural side, the color, texture, pattern aspects, which was which was fabric related basically. Any fabric manipulation, be it embroidery, laser cutting, knitting, etching, uh, printing. All of those processes really fascinated me. And then once I was in a pattern making class, I was deeply struggling. Like if you asked me to actually cut, you know, the shapes and the measurements and the sewing and all of that, I really struggled with. I must say my first semester in the fashion major was one of my toughest semesters. I could not stitch a sleeve. I had to literally ask for help um, all the time. And so I quickly realized that I was very interested in surface design much more than in the 3D aspect of fashion. And I think still today, if you asked me what I'm what I'm good at and what I'm my work is recognized for, it's definitely textiles. And I think definitely in terms of silhouette and innovation in terms of shape, um, I have a lot to learn still and I could go further and it's not what comes to me naturally. And so yes, so I was in school and I developed a whole senior thesis around hand-painted textiles. How did I get to hand-painted textiles? I did a couple of workshops when I was a kid. Um, I did a workshop when I was eight, and then again when I was 15, and then again when I was maybe 19. And then at uh, 21, so in my last year of Parsons, you have to develop a senior thesis. And of course, it has to be fairly unique. And, you know, there's 400 seniors graduating out of Parsons every year in fashion. And so I was just trying to think, you know, what can I develop that will stand out? What's a technique that that I know and that I, I know I can I can do well that will translate both my aesthetic and also showcase the range of skills that I learned in school, sort of satisfy the academic requirements, but also be something that I could use as a propeller into my career after graduating. And so I landed on the topic of Kadi and on the technique of hand painting. And how I did this was, well, initially I got into the last year of Parsons and they asked you to choose a topic. And I, I struggled with this. I really struggled with tying the aesthetic and the conceptual initially. And then, you know, I came to my teachers with lots of ideas like, hey, I'm going to study wabi-sabi and in Japan and this and that. And they were like, okay, sure. These are very interesting concepts, but how do they, how do they tie to you personally? And they were right. They didn't. And so I remember one day, one day I was in the corridor calling my mom and I was like, mom, it's been four weeks. We were supposed to hand in a concept, like literally like, you know, weeks ago. And I am unable to find something that I think is going to drive me for the rest of the year. And so then she told me like, Helena, why don't you do it on Kadi? And I was like, no, what do you mean Kadi? Why? Like, you know, that's not cool. Um, and then she was like, no, no, Helena, please like look more into it. And so I did. And then I realized it was the perfect topic because it tied in my love of fabric with our family history. My mother's side, the whole family, big Gandhian family, social workers. My grandfather's been in jail with Gandhiji. Gandhiji actually arranged my grandparents' marriage. They were both social workers for him. And he one day went up to them and said, I really think you guys would make a, a very strong couple. And I, I really, you know, I blessed this marriage. So they ended up actually being married by Gandhiji. So it's, our family's very involved in the, was very involved in the Indian independence movement. And so Gandhian values and Kadi and all were rooted at the heart of, of our family values. So it tied in 
my personal history, it also tied in, of course, because Kali is a fabric. So that was, you know, it was saying that textiles was my passion. And then I realized I can take white kadi and I can use this technique of hand painting, which I had explored a couple of times prior outside of school. And I hadn't seen anyone else do in school, which was a good thing. And so then I thought, okay, let me combine all of these things and create a senior thesis out of this. And I did. And so actually I spent the first few months of my last, of my first, uh, my last year of Parsons, sorry, just reading books. I just read books about Kadi as a symbol in India and how, um, and about the whole history of the independence, but through the lens of looking at how that fabric played its role at every stage of it. And it was fascinating, even as a historical discovery for me, because I never lived in India. I never actually underwent any education in India. So I didn't study India, India's history at all, because it was not in our curriculums in Paris. And so not only was I finally getting to know more about my family history, but also India's history. And it just kind of all came together very seamlessly. I did multiple trips to India that year. I did a photography series, actually, to inspire the collection, because first we had to also justify you know which colors are we using which materials are we using everything that we did for our thesis we had to bring back to our subject and explain why how we went from a to b and so you know i remember that winter break i actually went with my mom back to varda and sevagram and all these ash ashrams and different places and we went to you know uh, weavers we went to all khadi bhandars and all kinds of places and i just took a lot of photographs of these spaces and then I compiled all of these photographs and I plucked out all of the colors that were coming from them. So how do I explain that? Um, it could be the color of all of these, you know, decaying walls in factories or like rusty, rusty machines or like, you know, the, 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 the weaving looms and that wood and that coarseness. And so it's through those images that I actually came up with a color palette, which was again, very earthy, but also industrial and encompassed all of these visuals that I had seen on that trip. And so that's how we came into the colors. And that's how, uh, that's how the thesis came together. So my thesis was actually composed of uh, a research paper on the topic of Kadi and the independence. It was also, I wrote a storybook, which was a compilation of my memories of my grandparents as a child and my summers spent in these places that were so historically charged, but I had no idea as a little kid. So it was little snippets of stories that uh, I could remember from that. And then there was also um, the photography collection, the garments, some textiles that were made independently that were not turned into garments. And then I also developed a jewelry collection on the side, I was taking a jewelry elective, really enjoying it. And then I realized that I could, again, import these uh, very raw textures that I had seen in my photographs. And I could try to translate those on metal as well. So then I began a whole exploration of uh, texture and uh, surface alteration, but on silver and brass. And that was the accessories collection that accompanied the garments for my for my thesis. And so, I mean, I must say that was that year, I mean, to this day, it was the most invigorating, exciting and thrilling, uh, thrilling year work-wise that I've, that I've experienced so far, because it was just building this huge project that's like your baby. And then you put it out and then you have competitions and you have panels and you have feedback. And luckily the response was really, really great and overwhelmingly so. And so, you know, I, I felt like a lot of us who put a lot of love into our thesis and got good response, you really graduate on a high and you're kind of ready to take on whatever may come. And um, so when I graduated, I actually got selected for this fellowship uh, run by Donna Karen 
two friends, uh, two friends of mine and I, we got selected for this, and it actually meant that we went and spent the summer in Haiti and worked with artisans in Haiti developing a range of products for Donna. And that was a very interesting project. It was also in collaboration with Rihanna's um, foundation, Clara Lionel. So we were working on a line of merchandise for Rihanna as well. So as recent graduates, that was a very exciting experience. So that's what I did right out of college. And then I came back to New York in September, in the fall, and realized, okay, I have a couple options here. I had the visa sorted. I can stay here. I can get an assistant job and, you know, do the errands. And I had done a couple of internships as well during during college at Tacoon and America Transu. And and I don't know, I just I had gotten a glimpse into what the assistant designer life would be. And I, I felt like I had this big baby, my thesis, and I, I wasn't done with it. I needed to go somewhere bigger and do something better. And I don't know. And so I spoke to a couple of professors. I spoke to my parents. I spoke to the Dean of Parsons, a couple of industry professionals that I was fortunate enough to meet through panels at school. And they all recommended that I just give it a go. And they said, why don't you just try to to launch something? I mean, this, this thesis clearly shows that there's a very uh, unique aesthetic that's been developed here. And it's something that's different that we hadn't seen before. And we feel that you could, you could give it a shot um, because you have a unique product to offer. And so that obviously felt very good to hear as a as a 22-year-old uh, graduate. And so then I thought, okay, why not? So I packed up my bags, packed up my flat. In October 2017, I moved back to Paris. And then I just started applying to a bunch of different competitions for recent graduates and emerging designers. And uh, luckily enough, I got picked up by Lacme Fashion Week. They have a competition called Gen Next, where they select five young designers every six months and they really sponsor them and give them incredible visibility, of course, in an Indian context. So that was something new for me as I hadn't really uh, done any work related things in India. Like I had done my research for my thesis and I obviously went a lot because of my mom and I, I feel very Indian at heart. Um, but to actually have to go there and be infused into the Indian fashion industry it was a very it was a whirlwind for me, and also because I was the youngest of the five that were selected, and I know that some of the others already had a production unit and they had tailors and they knew how the Indian, you know, the tax system worked and just everything. And I was, I literally showed up to Lakme with the collection. I had to build this collection. I had to find suppliers just a month before the show and. I was sitting in meetings with buyers and they were asking me like, Hey, do you have a GST number? I was like, what's the GST number? And so it was all a lot, very fast, but I'm so grateful because it really sort of whipped me into shape right after graduating when you can feel a bit of a void, like, okay, what's next? And so I was lucky that my what's next was Gen Next. And uh, then slowly from there on, I did a, many, many more competitions in different places, New Zealand, Italy, Eastern Europe. I got sponsored for New York Fashion Week in uh, 2018. Last year, I got selected for a Vogue Italia Scouting for India campaign. And that event was amazing. Our judges were amazing. One of them was actually Sabia Sachi. There was Bandana Tivari, Anaita Shroff, um, Mickey Boardman, the editor of Vogue Italia, uh, Vogue Talents, Saramaino. So then it's just been a whirlwind of meeting really interesting people in different parts of the world and um, getting to participate in multiple projects, be it interior design projects. I did a thing with Art Dubai two years ago where we did home products, um, be it short capsule collection for concept stores. 
um, you know, be it a lot of interest, some interesting private orders. It, it's been a lot of a lot of different things um, and and very globally dispersed, which has been the most interesting aspect, I would say. What I am currently working on um, is actually a collaboration with a dear friend who just started a furniture company called Pindapa Atelier, based in, out of uh, Indonesia and London and Singapore. And so that's exciting because obviously, I, like I was saying earlier, I realized very quickly that I'm a surface person and that fashion is a, I love the way clothing, oh, I love the way fabric comes alive on the body, but I'm also so open to seeing how fabric would come alive in an architectural context, in a furniture context, in an art installation context. So that's been my next steps is actually trying to figure out how I can take this, this world of textile and texture and see how many different uh, realms of design it can apply itself into and if it can be scaled up in that way and go beyond clothing. So that's something that I am very interested in. And uh, my most recent project actually was for Helsinki Fashion Week, um, Finland. They did an entirely digitized fashion week with avatars and 3D garments. And so that was something that kept me busy during quarantine. We were literally developing um, clothing on software and, and importing textiles and hand, hand methods into digital. And I call it now digital craftsmanship. And it was a really fascinating process. Very exciting Um and then they did a video and they had to animate the clothes, animate the avatars, create fake environments. It was uh, it was very, very cool. Um, if you go on the Helsinki Fashion Week YouTube channel, you should be able to actually find a link to this video. Another thing I've been trying to focus on, and that is one of our big focuses for the future, I would say, is of course the sustainability aspect. I think today people are not buying products, they're buying into a brand, a lifestyle, and has to stand for a a set of values and uh, even if you look at the way that Instagram is now key in marketing and in brand growth and following and building loyal customer base through Instagram people don't even just want to see your product anymore they want to see where you're going what you're eating who you're hanging out with they want to see everything and they buy into that world that you're basically selling so it's very important actually to show that you're in the right world doing the right things because and that's what people are following, right? And then that's why they come to you for your product. And so it's very important to me that more and more the people I work with, the products, the materials that I work with, that everything is in line with the sort of brand ethos and that I can then sleep well at night knowing that I'm doing the right thing as much as I can. And so, you know, initially, like I said, when I got Gen X, I didn't know anything in India. I worked with some really shitty suppliers, honestly, like not so nice guys, not so nice factories, a lot of scam, a lot of cheating, a lot of this. And also just me feeling like these are not the kinds of places I actually want my product to be made in simply from an ethical standpoint. And so very quickly, I just realized I had to shift. And so I actually now work with a unit called Master G in Delhi. It's a fellow Parsons graduate called Gayatri Jolie. And she launched this program where she actually trained, I think some up to 500 girls in the Delhi area who had to like quit school at 15, 16 and didn't really know how to make money for, uh, for their families, but they couldn't afford to go to school anymore. And so Gayatri, she taught them all how to become Master Gs, basically, which, as we know, is always a man's job in India. So I like the irony of it. And it's Master G, actually, not J-I, like G for girl. And um, 
So when she told me this story and then she said, Helen, I'm starting a small unit. I'm going to work with a couple of individual independent designers in India, young brands, small brands, sustainable brands. And uh, I said, okay, I'm in, I'm on board. So again, once you work with smaller units, you know, your prices go up and things are a little bit slower. And sometimes uh, it just takes longer, obviously, to get used to. But I mean, it's just day and night. These are good people. When I go there, I, I see the girls are, they're thrilled to be working there. Gayatri is an inspiring mentor for them. Um, it's a great space to be in and I'm very happy to be affiliated with them. And so more and more, I want to be affiliated with, with people like that. And, um, and it helps, you know, it, it adds to the story again, like you're, you're selling a product, but you're, you're selling a set of values that you stand for. And so that was important to me. And then recently I actually also started, um, I stopped completely sourcing, commercial silks for my my raw silks and such so anything that I could now source from small from small handloom manufacturers I work with an organization that sources from uh, small small villages across Maharashtra they're trying to keep the cottage industry alive through this initiative and so I felt like wow okay you know the quality is even better the price wasn't even actually that significantly different so I thought this is a no-brainer so slowly as you go on you actually realize that there are decisions that you can make that just make your whole story uh, a more transparent story a better story your product is a cleaner product ethically socially um and um yeah, so that's definitely something I want to keep doing and uh, more and more is realizing which aspects of my work and production I can sort of improve always. Hi, this is Helena Bajaj Larson and you're listening to MASH Podcast. Mm-hmm. 